every so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Welcome back to the revolution. Hope you're having a fantastic day. We are here. We are live. We are the Disciples of Liberty. Today I have to clarify something for those less intellectual of the world who might hear this show. I am not racist. I am not anti-freedom for people of other minority races. But today I'm going to talk about the reparations that... Our Congress is thinking that we need to do for former slaves of the United States of America. Now, I have a problem with this. And as I said before, those of you who are less intellectual, who allow the media to dictate your mindset and your thought process, I have to say, you might not like this show. But I want you to understand that there are many people in this country, like me, who me, my parents, my grandparents, they never owned slaves. So asking for reparations and asking for debt to be placed on everybody's kids and grandkids, including your own, to pay you back when you've really never lived as a slave is crazy in today's world. And I'm going to get to the facts about slavery. And you might not like facts, you might not like truth, but I'm going to give it to you. I want to start with World War II because that's my heritage. My parents came to America after World War II. Both my parents were in what was considered uh, German work camps. Now, the, the Nazis started using forced labor shortly after their rise to power. They established labor camps, which housed Eastern workers, foreign workers, and others forced laborers who were forced, rounded up, and brought in from the East. These were separate from the SS-run concentration camps, so I'm not trying to confuse the two, where prisoners were also forced to perform labor. So when the Nazis took over a nation, they would take kids, children, uh, men, young boys that they considered might be a threat, and they put them in these work camps. It started to grow significantly in 1937 as they tried to rearm. Uh, and it caused labor shortages, forcing the outbreak of the Second World War. The use of labor again increased sharply. As in most Nazi camps, conditions in forced labor camps were inadequate. Inmates were only ever seen as temporary, and in the Nazis' view, could always be replaced with others. There was a complete, a complete disregard of the health of prisoners. They were subject to insufficiencies of food, equipment, medicine, clothing, while working long hours. 
There were little to no time for rests or breaks. As a result, these conditions, death rates in labor camps were extremely high. And I bring this up, as I said, because my father and mother both served in German work camps. The National Socialists between 1939 and 1945 represents the largest mass utilization of forced labor in history since the end of slavery during the 19th century. More than 10 million forced slaves were deported to Germany and occupied territories between 1939 and 1945. Among these, in my own heritage, over 500,000 Dutch citizens, of which, uh, based on the Red Cross estimates, 30,000 perished in Germany, an unknown number returned with permanent physical and psychological scars. Reports show that in August 1944, 7.8 million foreign workers and prisoners of war were involved in German work camps. This is insane amounts of numbers, far exceeding whatever happened in America. And in fact, American slaves were kept sometimes in better conditions than these work camps during World War II. Uh, One of the worst was their um, concentration camps. In May of 1944, uh, Carlton Brunner, head of security police in Nazi Germany, said that the working and living conditions for the inmates are generally worse than in a concentration camp. That was the work camps compared to the concentration camps. Now, what is slavery? Slavery is a system in which principles of property law are applied to people allowing individuals to own, buy, and sell other individuals as a form of property. Slaves are unable to withdraw from this arrangement and work with little to no pay. Before 1865, the United States had 16 slave states. Slavery was abolished in 1865 following the Civil War. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution states neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. However, modern slavery still exists in the world today, mainly because modern slavery is not easy to recognize. According to the U.S. Department of State, modern slavery is used as an umbrella term for the act of recruiting, harboring, transporting, providing, or obtaining a person for compelled labor or commercial sex acts through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Modern slavery is often known as human trafficking. And I find it interesting that the U.N. is on board and everybody's talking about America paying reparations for the slave trade that happened in America. But currently today, 167 countries still have slavery, affecting about 46 million people. Yes, 46 million people. Although governments have taken steps and raised awareness about modern slavery, it is difficult to detect and recognize in many cases. While over 100 countries still have slavery, six countries have significantly high numbers. In India, it is estimated there are 18.4 million slaves currently. In China, 3.4 million. I bring up those two because they are the number one and number two in the world for slavery. 
Yet those are the two that the high-tech companies on the liberal side that want to do these reparations send and outsource most of their work, most of their things. This is the Zuckerbergs, the Bill Gates, the all these people that own these corporations do tons of business with these two companies not caring that they're utilizing slave labor. Number three is Pakistan with 2.1 million. Bangladesh has 1.5 million. Uzbekistan has 1.2 million. And North Korea, 1.1 million. The issue I'm having with all this today is, as I've said, they want people who've never owned slaves to pay for slaves, yet they're still slaves today. Most of these people never lived as slaves. They probably can't find slavery in their first couple trees of their genealogy. But I want to get into some other numbers from studies not done by white professors. Some of them had white professors on it, but done by black professors and people have looked at. Now, here's a fact that was done by... um, an organization called AEI.org. You can look this up. Nearly a third of black and Hispanic students with high school grade point averages of 3.5 or better end up at community college. So one third, 33% of black and Hispanic students can end up at a community college compared with only 22% of white students with the same grades. And this is because of the laws that are passed to make it easier for people of minority races to get into school, but it's a reverse racism that's been happening for decades. Now, Derek Z. Jackson, a black columnist and associate editor of the Boston Globe, did uh, published a study on black male athletes at colleges and universities. Here's some interesting Factual numbers for you. In the National Collegiate Athletic Association, Division I schools, an African-American man at a college or university is 13 times more likely to be on a football or basketball scholarship than a white man at that same college or university. That's a huge um, gap, race gap in sports. Now, they will always state that, well, it's because the black athlete is better. But yet, if you try to use that argument in the workplace for a scientist, well, the white person was more qualified than the black scientist, you get vilified. But they can use it in their arguments of why there's such an unbalanced number among colleges. In the National Collegiate Athletic Association Division I schools, one out of every 168 white men is on a a scholarship, football or basketball. At the University of Utah, half the black men are on the football or basketball scholarship. So that's where I'm from. At Duke University, 16% of of the black men have athletic scholarships compared to 1.8% of white men. Now, this is how many that are actively playing get scholarships, get their school paid for. Huge disparity between 16 and 1.8% at Duke. At athletic powerhouse schools like Ohio State, Florida State, and the University of Southern Cal, black men are more than 50 times as likely as a white man to be on athletic scholarship and have school paid for. Do you not see that 
we have been correcting race issues in this nation to the detriment of another race. Um, here's, here's another um, AEI study, and this is for medical schools, and this is going to shock you. Um, there's graphs on this at AEI.org if you look at their medis- medical school graphs. Between 2013 and 2016, with average GPAs 3.4 to 3.59 and average MCAT scores 27 to 29, black applicants were almost four times more likely to be accepted to U.S. medical schools than Asians in that applicant pool. That's 81.2% versus 20.6%. And they were 2.8 times more likely than white applicants. So 81.2% to 29% equal, all things identical. They have that huge of a disparity in, in getting into med school. Likewise, Hispanic applicants to medical school during this period with GPAs and MCAT scores were more... Uh, than twice as likely as whites in that applicant pool to be admitted to medical school, 59.5% to 29%, and nearly three times more than Asians, 59.5% versus 20.6. Overall, blacks have 81.2 and Hispanics 59.5 applicants with average GPAs and average MCAT scores were accepted to U.S. medical schools between those years of 2013 and 2016. So much higher than the 30.6% average acceptance rates for all students. For students applying to medical school with slightly below average GPAs of 3.2 to 3.39 and slightly below the MCAT scores of 24 to 26, Black applicants were more than nine times more likely to be admitted to medical schools than Asians at a 56.4 versus a 5.9, and more than seven times more likely to get into that medical school than a white person equally qualified at 56.4 versus 8%. So this is amazing. You need to go there and look at these charts. They found the same pattern of acceptance rates by ethical um, racial groups for applicants with slightly above average academic credentials. So the group, for example, MCAT scores that were high, 30 to 32, and GPAs between 3.4 to 3.5 in the data column, uh, the acceptance rates for blacks, 86.9%. For Hispanics, 75.9%. The rate for whites, 48%, and Asians, 40.3%. They have basically the bottom line medical school acceptance rates in recent years suggest that medical schools must have affirmative discrimination and racial profiling admission policies that favor black and Hispanic applicants over equally qualified Asian and white students. Even if the factors other than GPA and MCAT scores, which are probably the two most important ones, are considered for admission to medical school, wouldn't it still be hard for them to conclude anything except that the admissions policies to medical schools are completely um, racial profiling practices that favor blacks and Hispanics over qualified Asians and whites? Now, nobody wants to hear this, right? Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, whites are discriminated in in 
medical schools. And this is just medical schools. The data is almost the same in large corporations in many fields. So it's insane that uh, all these people do this. And now there's one other problem that we have. There was a congressman that uh, was doing a, a race um, discrimination meeting, and he was talking about teachers at their public schools and other people. And this young girl stepped up to the mic and she said um, passionately that she and her fellow conservative schoolmates, these are high school or college, on a daily basis from teachers or at their public schools are um, discriminated against for being conservative. She said, it is discrimination, I quote, which seeks to silence us, to punish us, which deliberately lowers our GPA, which adversely affects the change, chances of us getting into college and therefore getting a better job and a better life. She said, no one seems to care. A literal plea for help. This young woman explained that if she dares question the liberal groupthink of her high school, teachers, whether in a written essay or a classroom discussion, she's penalized academically in some way. She had amazing desperation if you look at the video online. And so the person who did this decided to reach out and meet several uh, of his friends that had high school age and middle school age children. So they got him together and they proclaimed um, one of these students who proudly uh, proclaimed that he was liberal and part of the resistance against President Trump acknowledged, oh yeah, if any of my conservative friends speak out to defend Trump or a conservative viewpoint or especially question global warning, they are screwed over by the teachers in this country. So we've been reminded over the years in the media, academia, and entertainment industry, no one hates discrimination supposedly more than Democrats and liberals, unless evidently they're the ones wielding it for their own advancement or dominance. It is often pointed out that over the last uh, decades, thanks in part to discrimination, the left largely has gained control over the three biggest uh, megaphones of our nation, the media, academia, and the entertainment industry. Not by coincidence, these are the same institutions that supposedly condemn discrimination selectively. It has also has been noticed that uh, bias against Republican and conservative thought has filtered into social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and search engines powering them. It's one thing to know that reality and even to accept it as a part of everyday life of a Republican or conservative American. It's a, quite another thing when you hear a child whose academic sin is being conservative ask for help to thwart discrimination that could threaten his or her opportunities for a better education and a more secure future. Now, this is what the left don't want you to hear. You're not going to hear this on mainstream media. They want to talk about reparations. One group is asking for $777 trillion in reparations. They want to destroy America's economy. They want to wipe us off the face of the earth, folks. This is insane how we sit here and we're just allowing this to happen. We need to call our uh, Republican governors and say, if this happens, our state don't want to pay reparations. 
We didn't do it. I didn't have slaves. My parents didn't have slaves. So I'm going to make a bold statement. And this is going to be hard for people to hear. America's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. America has not been perfect in its history of slavery. But America has been the best country on earth for black people. I hate to tell you. It was here that uh, 600,000 black people brought from Africa in slave ships grew into a community of 40 million people. They were introduced to Christian uh, religions, reached the greatest levels of freedom and prosperity blacks have ever known anywhere in any other nations. Um, Second, no people anywhere has done more to lift up blacks than white Americans. Untold trillions have been spent since the 60s on welfare, food stamps, rent supplements, Section 8 housing, Pell Grants, student loans, legal services, Medicaid, earned income tax credit, and poverty programs designed to bring the African-American community into the mainstream. Governments, businesses, and colleges have engaged in discrimination against whites with affirmative action, contracts set aside, and quotas to advance black applicants over white applicants. Churches, foundations, civics groups, schools, and individuals all over America have donated time and money to support soup kitchens, adult education, daycares, retirement, and nursing homes for blacks. We hear the grievances. Where's the gratitude? Did you know about half a million of the um, African-American slaves were brought to America? Over 2 million were taken to Brazil. Today, tens of millions of descendants of these slaves live in total squalor, no different from the worst slums in Africa. They only dream of the lifestyle that the American African-Americans have. So, yes, it's a harsh truth. It's a truth that most people don't want to talk about. It's a truth that most people don't want to hear. But folks, we need to talk about this. We need to educate people. How do you do that? You share these shows. This is probably going to be one of the most controversial shows. I'm going to be labeled a racist. I hate racism, but I hate to tell you, hatred exists among everybody. Blacks hate whites. Some whites hate blacks. Latinos hate blacks and whites. Whites hate blacks and Latinos. Hatred exists in the hearts of all men. The key principle of the Constitution was that everybody has the same opportunity. Right now, minorities have better opportunities in America if they want it. They choose not to. So what are we going to do? Are we going to allow this agency on government reparations to steal more money and put us more towards bankruptcy? We're already bankrupt. Nobody's just admitting it. Or are we going to stand up and tell our governors, no, Utah bows out, Texas bows out, Oklahoma bows out. Whatever state you're living in needs to bow out. We need to show outrage about this. We need to call our Republican uh, senators Call your Republican congresspeople. Tell them this is insane. Start talking about this. Get out on the media. Whether they will or not, that's a question only they can answer. We're going to talk about this more on the second part of the show. We'll talk about the committee they're making. We're going to have to look at what's going on in our nation uh, that they're trying to divide us. They are separating us based on race. 
Go try and live in Africa. Go try and live in Brazil, Venezuela. Go to these countries. It's insane the quality of life they have compared to what African-Americans have here. Yet it's not good enough because they want what the Bill Gates have. They want us to pay them for deeds done to other people. But if we start paying reparations, every person on earth that isn't born a king or queen of England or one of these others that still has uh, royalty has probably had relatives at some point in their history that were slaves. And we'll get more into these numbers on the other side. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network. If this show meets with your love, share it with others. Get other people to listen. Uh, Share it on your LinkedIn, your social media, your Instagram, your Twitter, uh, your Facebook. If Facebook will allow it, they might ban you, but hey, it's worth it. Standing up for liberty is always a good thing. Find the other hosts on uh, America Out Loud. There are some amazing patriots out there doing this out of the goodness of their heart. These aren't people that are paid to be radio hosts. These are people that are fighting for a cause and we need to surround them and help them and stand up for liberty and freedom, folks. Everything we do, everything we need to take care of is in this nation. We need to stand together, united, We are harder to conquer. Divided will fall. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called shoptotheright.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you Find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. Shop to the right 
Com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Well, there was a time when Americans could rely on the fourth estate. Well, in these challenging times, the media is both reckless and complicit. AmericaOutloud.com. Top analysis from leading experts, articles, podcast, video, and 24-7 talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. the revolution hope you're having a fantastic day today's show is all about the craziness of the democrats that think we should pay restitution for the hardships of minority races in america today based on their ancestry of slaves um, representative sheila jackson lee a democrat from texas and one of the people and this is going to sound way rude and i don't like to judge people but she is one of the people i feel with one of the lowest intellects i've ever seen in congress and i might do a show someday and show you our, all the little uh, mistakes this woman makes in life but she introduced legislation to create a commission to make recommendations on paying reparations to the descendants of enslaved people. This got approved. Um, the legislation to uh, create um, paying reparations, um, it's been stalled sort of in Congress for over 30 years. Uh, as expected, the vote broke on party lines 2517 in the committee. Advocates of reparations pushed it to the forefront last year as racial justice protests, they call them. I call it burning down cities and riots, uh, were held across the country following um, the Black Lives Matter group. Uh, this, uh, they claim, is making historic steps forward. Here we are today marking up for the first, this is a quote, this isn't me. Here we are today marking up for the first time in the history of the United States of America. Any legislation that deals directly with the years and centuries of slavery of African American people who are now the descendants of those Africans, said Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. So this is insane. Um, it was, its original sponsor was Representative John Coyers Jr., a uh, Democrat, uh, retired in 2017. Um, she says that this should put us on the first step to a path of restorative justice. Restorative justice. Okay, there's, there's so many other crazy things that these people are, are talking about. But, but the fact of the matter is, you have to convince me why any race deserves restitution for their hardships. Every race has been enslaved. Yet today's discussions only ever focus on the Atlantic slave trade, i.e. the black slave. 
Heck, the Irish slaves were more plentiful in the English empire. They were cheaper and treated far worse since they were Catholic, no thanks to Oliver Cromwell. If you go back far enough in history, you can find the dark past of every civilization and of every group of people. People of all races and of all backgrounds will never be able to achieve peace if all they ever do is focus on the past and demand restitutions for ancestors that are long dead from perpetrators who are also long dead. Now, I, I, ha- I hate to tell you this, okay? We have issues. And philosopher Frederick Knights, back in the 19th century, on no topic is the truth harsher than on that of race. The Eric Holders of the world, the Jackson Lees of the world, bemoan the absence of an honest discussion of race in America. But such a discussion is beginning as it must with a discussion of slavery is actually the last thing they could afford to have with anybody who has an intellect and has a logical thought process. Because the facts that would undermine much of the ideologically invalued conventional wisdom of theirs concerning this topic. For instance, the very word slave stems from Slav, a reference to the experience of millions of white Slavish people who endured centuries of slavery at the hands of African Muslims. This, of course, is the most inconvenient truth, for it is of most politically incorrect truth, but it is truth. So all those people that their ancestors were slaved, it's because their ancestors that were slaves had ancestors that were slavers. Karma, it tends to bite you, right? Uh, inconvenient truth. Yet the Slavish aren't the only whites who spent centuries in captivity. Europeans of various backgrounds were enslaved by African Muslims as well. All of this is heavily documented and is neglected. Um, scholarships of people like uh, Robert Davis, Christian Slaves, Muslims, Masters, wrote a book. It's, a, it's an amazing book. Nor is it just that the millions of whites in Europe were made to toil in bondage for hundreds of years. Um, Don George, Jordan's book, White Cargo, The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America. They were white and they were slaves. The Untold History of the Enslavement of Whites in Early America. These were written by scholars, people from liberal colleges. Moreover, these authors show that the conditions that whites, including the most tragically white children, had to endure en route to the colonies as well as once they arrived were at least as dreadful as those experienced by the African-Americans. The last point would as well be included in an honest discussion of slavery, the word kidnapping that is so often but erroneously used to describe the circumstances that allegedly resulted in the transportation of Africans to the New World. Derived from the fact that British children, kids, were regularly nabbed off the streets of England and sold into slavery in America. An honest discussion of race would mention that no less a figure than black Harvard scholar himself, Henry Louis Gates, recently discovered free blacks were in America before slavery. While researching the book and documentary, The African-Americans, Many Rivers to Cross, Gates admits to having been shocked to discover that blacks freely came to America, to Florida as early as 1513, over 100 years earlier than the standard date of 1619. 
And the one black man whose name is now known as the Conquistador who came in search of the Fountain of Youth with Ponce de Leon. Gates also notes that it is simply not true that blacks didn't become aware of Christianity until they were enslaved by Europeans. Many Africans were, uh, who were eventually sold to Europeans, at least one out of four came from the kingdom of Angolia, where they had been converted to Roman Catholics as early as the 15th century. Gates delivers a double whammy to the Orthodox line on race and slavery in America when he reveals both that it was the African elites who converted the African masses to Christianity and that it was these same elites, not European abductors, who sold their fellow black Africans into slavery across the Atlantic. Now, these are some other numbers for you. Of the 12.5 million Africans sold during the era of the transatlantic slave trade, Gates, remember Gates is a black scholar, he said only 388,000 were ever shipped to America. An honest discussion of race in America would include the fact that whites were slaves, for sure. But it would also have to accommodate the obscene truth that many as 4,000 free black families owned slaves in the antebellum South. 4,000 free blacks owned slaves. More stunning still is that arguably the first slave master in early America was a black man, Anthony Johnson, a name doubtless of which very few people today will ever know or admit, black or white would have heard, was an Angolian who first sold by Africans to Arabs before winding up as an indentured servant in Virginia. There he attained his freedom, became a planter, and acquired his own slaves. One of the latter, John Kayser, a black man, served his mandatory seven years as a slave, but Johnson refused to set him free. Through a long, windy series of court battles, Johnson succeeded in prevailing upon the courts to declare that Mr. Johnson's servant for life, not seven years, slavery was born, and this was the very first time in the colonies when it was legally determined that a person who had committed no crime had to spend the rest of his remaining existence in bondage, and it was a black man who set that precedent. We're a long ways off from having truly honest discussions of race in this nation because of the media, because of teachers, and because of crooked politicians. There's a new study uh, done by Robert Davis, a professor of history at Ohio State University, that says that European Christians were enslaved by Muslims in North Africa between 1530 and 1780, a far greater number than had ever been estimated before. He found a unique way to document this, um, the slaves along the African Barbary Coast, uh, arriving at uh, higher slave population estimates than previous studies. Most other accounts of slavery along the Barbary Coast didn't try to estimate the number of slaves, only looked at the number of slaves in particular cities. Most previous estimated slave counts thus tended to be lower than what Davis had calculated between 1 million and 1.25 million European Christians were captured and forced to work in North Africa between the 16th and 18th century. Remember, only 688,000 slaves were shipped to America that were African-American. 
1 million to 1.25 million were held by blacks in the Middle East. Most white people will have an ancestor that was enslaved by blacks. Do all of us get reparations? Now, Davis's estimates appear in a book called Christian Slaves, Muslim Masters. Now, we will all admit that slavery is a form of extreme exploitation, right? Slaves are defined as economic property. They are social outsiders and are alien by origin or who have been denied their heritage through judicial or other sanctions. With slaves, coercion could be used at will. Their labor power was at the complete disposal of the master. They did not have the right to their own sexuality and by extension to their own reproductive capacities. Slave status was inherited unless provision was made to get rid of that status. What most people won't understand that at the time of the ratification of the Constitution in 1788, there were less than 50,000 slaves left in America. The vast majority of them were white, according to Davis. This fact has been verified by forensic evidence from archaeological digs and historical documents uncovered by contemporary scholars, including Don Jordan and Michael Walsh, in a book called White Cargo. White slaves, not indentured, remember they're slaves, they're not indentured, who began to arrive in 1618, included hundreds of children, strays who had been rounded up from the streets of London to serve wealthy farmers in Virginia. Other slaves came from the ranks of the homeless and the poor whom King James I held responsible for spreading the plague, so he sent them away. They believed it was easier to send them to the colonies than to keep them in the swelling prison population. Um, Of the first 300 white slaves to land in Virginia, only 12 managed to survive for four years. The others died of ill treatment, disease, attacked by Native Americans, or overworked. Contemporary records show that one child victim, Elizabeth Abbott, was beaten to death when her master ordered her to be given 500 lashes for running away. At least 70,000 white men, women, and children from England and Ireland were shipped to the colonies to be sold on the auction blocks during the 170 years of British rule. White slaves transported to the colonies suffered a staggering loss to life in the 17th and 18th century. During the voyage to America, the white slaves were kept below deck the entire 9 to 12-week journey. They were chained with 50 other men on board, uh, other men to a board with padlock collars around their necks. Sound familiar? Heard the show Roots? The weeks of confinement below deck in the ship's stifling hold often resulted in outbreaks of contagious disease, disease including cholera and uh, dysentery. Ships carrying white slaves to America often lost half their slaves to death. So if you look at 1.1.25 million slaves that were actually put into slavery, another fifth, uh, double that number died in shipping. According to historian Sharon V. Salinger of the University of California, Riverside, 
Scattered data revealed that the mortality for white slaves at certain times equaled that for black slaves in the Middle Passage and during other periods actually exceeded the death rate of black slaves. Miss Salinger affirms a death rate of 10 to 20% over the entire 18th century for black slaves on board ships en route to America compared to the death rate of 25% for white slaves. Foster D. Dulles, Foster R. Dulles, sorry, in Labor in America writes that white slave experienced discomforts and sufferings on their voyage. Dulles said whites were indiscriminately herded aboard the white guinea men as often as 300 passengers on little vessels of not more than 200 tons burden. Overcrowded, unsanitary, the mortality rate was sometimes as high as 50%, and young children seldom survived the horrors of a voyage that might last anywhere from 7 to 12 weeks. Independent investigator A.B. Ellis writes concerning the transport of white slaves, the human cargo, many of whom were still tormented by unhealed wounds, could not all lie down at once without lying on each other. They were never suffered to go on deck. The hatchway was consistently watched and sentinels armed with hangers and blunderbusses. In the dungeons below, all was darkness, stench, lamination, disease, and death. In the past, white slavery was acknowledged as having existed in America only as indentured servitude. This isn't trust. This isn't true, sorry. Uh, Such indentured servants were, for the most part, convicts who served a term of four to seven years. But there were more white slaves. Hundreds of thousands of whites who remained slaves for life. Uh, Such slavery was hereditary. Children of the white slaves also became chattel without hope of freedom. In George Sandy's Laws for Virginia, Whites were enslaved forever. The service of whites bound to Berkeley's hundred were deemed perpetual. Throughout the colonial period, white slaves remained the main labor force on the Virginia and Maryland plantations, outnumbering Africans by as many as four to one. Whites remained slaves until the Emancipation Proclamation in 1855. Frederick Law The landscape architect who designed New York Central Park was in Alabama on a pleasure trip and saw bales of cotton being thrown from a considerable height into a cargo ship's hold. The men tossing the bales somewhat recklessly into the hold were African-American. The men in the hold were Irish. Uh, He inquired to the ship worker. Oh, said the worker, the African-Americans are worth too much to be risked. If the Irish are knocked overboard or get their backs broke, nobody loses anything. At present, as we've said, there are many groups. One group, the African World Reparations Group, wants $777 trillion paid to them. It is just insane what these people are doing. One of the things that both public and many scholars have tended to take as given is that slavery was always racial in nature, that only blacks have been slaves, but that is not true. We cannot think of slavery as something that only white people did to black people. During the periods that that black scholar Davis studied, it was religion and ethnicity as much as race that determined who became slave. 
Enslavement was at a very real possibility for anybody who traveled the Mediterranean or who lived along the shores in places like Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal, and even as far as north as England and Iceland. Pirates called corsairs from cities along the Barbary coast in North Africa, cities such as Tunis and Algiers, would raid ships in the Mediterranean and Atlantic as well as seaside villages to capture men, women, and children. The impact of these attacks were devastating. France, England, and Spain each lost thousands of ships, and long stretches of the Spanish and Italian coast were almost completely abandoned by their inhabitants. At its peak, the destruction and depopulation of some areas probably exceeded what European slavers would later inflict on the African interior. Although hundreds of thousands of Christian slaves were taken from the Mediterranean countries, Davis, the scholar, noticed that the effects of Muslim slave raids was felt much further away. It appears, for example, that through most of the 17th century, the English lost at least 400 sailors a year to the slavers. Even Americans were not immune. For example, one American slave reported that 130 American seamen had been enslaved by the Algerians in the Mediterranean and Atlantic between 1785 and 1793. Davis says the vast scope of slavery in North Africa has been ignored and minimized in large part because it's not no one's agenda. It doesn't serve the Democrats to talk about how they enslaved whites. The enslavement of Europeans doesn't fit the general theme of the European world conquest and colonialism that is central to scholarship on the early modern era. Many of the countries that were victims of slavery, such as France and Spain, would later conquer and colonize the area of North Africa, where the citizens were once held as slaves. Maybe because of this history, Western scholars have thought of the Europeans primarily as evil colonialists and not as the victims they were sometimes. Davis said another reason that the Mediterranean slavery has been ignored or minimized has been that there have not been enough actual estimates of the total number of people enslaved. People of the time, both Europeans of the Barbary Coast and slave owners of the Muslim areas, did not keep detailed records of the number of slaves. In contrast, there is extensive records that document the number of Africans brought to the Americas as slaves. So he came up with a way. The only way Davis could come up with hard numbers is to turn the whole problem upside down figure out how many slaves there would have to capture to maintain a certain level. It is not the best way to make population estimates, but it's the only way with the limited records that were available. Putting together such source of deaths and everything else meant that uh, about 8,500 new slaves have been captured each year. Overall, this suggests nearly millions of slaves would have been taken captive during the period. Using the same... um, Estimates, as many as 475,000 additional slaves were taken in the previous and following centuries. The result is that between 1530 and 1780, as said before, 1,000,000 and quite as possible as 1.25,000,000 white European Christians were enslaved by blacks. Davis said his research into the treatment of these slaves suggests that for the most of them, their lives were every bit as difficult as the slaves in America. As far as daily living conditions, the Mediterranean slaves certainly didn't have it better. While African slaves did grueling labor on sugar and cotton plantations in the America, 
European Christian slaves were often worked just as hard and lethally in quarries, heavy construction, and rowing galleys. Um, slavery has been an important phenomenon throughout history. Different societies made use of slave labor from ancient civilization to Islamic society, as well as India, Asia, Africa, and the Americans. Only during the modern era, however, did slavery become associated with Africans. After the establishment of European colonies in the New World, slavery was the mainstay of their economies, including that of Brazil, the Caribbean islands, and North America. Africa became intimately connected with the history of slavery. And the agenda of Democrats to divide us as a nation has pushed the topic of slavery into that of only African-Americans, folks. It's not true. This reparations movement has to stop. We are so far past where America's constitutional republic should be. We are so far past uniting our civilization because these people are being taught by schools, the media, technology companies, social media, that they have been abused by whites. They want race wars. Why do you think they funded the Black Lives Matter movement? Why do you think they funded Antifa? Why do you think they want them burning down white businesses? They want race wars to distract people from paying attention to the mess they're making in Washington, D.C. with our economy, in the world, and everything else. Now, this show might have rubbed you the wrong way, but truth is truth. These are all historical scholars, many of whom were black, many of whom recognize that if you want to start paying reparations, you got to pay it to everybody equally throughout the world. And the big problem is slavery still exists today. It exists in China, in India, two of the nations we support with our economy, two of the nations that our tech companies utilize to huge amounts. These people are enslaving children and making your clothes and your shoes, yet nobody cares. African-Americans love their Nikes built by slaves in China. It's just insane at what people will tolerate in our world today, folks. You have choices. You can either put up with everything that's going on or you can stand up and tell the truth because the truth matters. The truth matters, folks. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network. As I say before, sponsors come up in the middle of these shows and at the top of the hour, please support them because they're supporting conservative messages. If you're a conservative with an internet business on eBay or Amazon and you want to advertise, advertise where it matters. And if you want have ideas for a show that you want me to research, liberty at americaoutloud.com. Uh, email me there. I'll respond. I'll talk to anybody. I teach the Constitution. I travel because I'm so passionate about it. You can pick up my book in the bookstore. It's called Origins of Liberty. You have two choices in life. The book poses the question. Either your liberty comes from man, like these crazy Democrats in Washington, D.C. want you to believe so they can take it away, strip it, and place chains upon you, or it comes from God and they're unalienable. You have a choice. You have to decide. I can't make the decisions for you. But I love doing this. I love standing up for God, for faith, for family, and for freedom. 
Will you stand with me or will you make me stand alone? That's the only questions, folks. We have to decide where it is we want to be, where it is we're going. And until next time, remain a disciple of liberty and stay in the revolution. (laughs) 